الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم in the physical world there is this concept of momentum and momentum essentially very not a non-technical definition or translation of momentum would simply be that uh, leveraging a force uh, that is pre-existing uh, that is moving a particular body uh, for example and this isn't a physical thing this is an emotional thing but you'll see that Uh, sometimes there's a sports team that will rack up a string of victories. For example, I don't know, your favorite basketball team. Uh, they win four, five, seven games in a row. And when a team wins seven, eight games in a row, for example, there's a lot of momentum behind that team. There's a lot of energy moving that team forward. And they begin to think that they can win every game afterwards. And it's very hard to break that momentum. When there's this force, this energy that's driving this team, they themselves begin to think that they can't be defeated. They begin to think that not only did we win eight, eight games, but we're going to win 18 games in a row. And it's such a strong force that carries this team that it's very hard for the team that wants to defeat them to eventually knock them off their perch and knock them off of that streak of momentum. Similarly, just as another example, uh, you'll see that if you look at a kid who rides a bicycle up a hill, they generate a lot of energy when they ride that bicycle up that hill. Uh, eventually, they get, when they go downhill, there's a lot of momentum. And they can ride that momentum for a long distance before they actually have to do anything to maintain uh, the speed at which they're traveling. These are some examples of momentum that we can observe. But the point I think we should also take home here, and the point that we're going to discuss today, is that there's also such a thing as spiritual momentum. And spiritual momentum is really important for a believer to understand because if they can leverage spiritual momentum, it will allow them to be able to gain the maximum efficiency in the production of good deeds. And opposite is also true. If they can understand when there's less momentum, then they can also decrease their effort so that they're not fighting against momentum. They can decrease their effort, which will allow them to be able to save that effort and do something different at that time. I'll, I'll give you some examples to make this a little more clear. I'll give you one example of, uh, of spiritual momentum. 
takes a lot of energy to fast in the month of Ramadan. Now, of course, we get very excited about the month of Ramadan, especially when it comes upon us, there's an excitement in the community, we look forward to it. But I think at the same time, nobody in this room can deny that it takes work. Like you're thinking, wow, Ramadan's here, I'm going to change my schedule, I'm going to change my behavior, I'm going to change my habits, I'm not going to be eating at a particular time. It does take work. The first few days can be difficult. You do have to put energy in, essentially. You have to put energy in to change the schedule and to get, a, you know, get yourself um, situated for that month. Now, all that energy that goes into Ramadan essentially generates a lot of momentum throughout the month. Now, as the month continues, we're purified of our sins. We begin to elevate our ranks before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the fact that he blesses us to do good deeds. And you can feel the momentum by the last 10 days. I think everybody in this room, you know, it's a tangible thing. They'll, all people will say, all the believers say that there's a really, really special feeling that, that occurs in the last 10 days of Ramadan. So a tremendous amount of momentum is generated in the month of Ramadan. And, and here, this is spiritual momentum. Now, once the month of Ramadan ends, that momentum can be leveraged. That momentum, when the month of Ramadan ends, the momentum can be leveraged, and the mechanism to leverage that momentum is to fast six days in the month of Shawwal. Now, by fasting six days in the month of Shawwal, what is the reward that the Prophet ﷺ highlighted for us? You get the reward as if you fasted a year. So it's, it's, it's almost like a continuous fast, meaning it's as if you fasted the year. Why? Why is there so much reward and opportunity in just six days of fasting after Ramadan? One of the reasons is because there's lots of momentum. There's an opportunity there to be able to leverage the, the momentum of Ramadan and by putting a little bit more in, that additional six days gives you a great reward. Whereas six days another time may not necessarily provide that same benefit. It's one example. Let's take another example. Another example is uh, the Fajr prayer. Now, subhanAllah, there's lots of spiritual momentum in the morning. Well, we're going to talk in more, more detail about this in a moment. But there's lots of spiritual momentum in the morning, mostly because when you wake up in the morning, you've cleaned out all the garbage and you're fresh. And it's a time of barakah. So when a person takes the effort to get out of bed, to take the name of Allah, to make wudu, to come to the masjid, pray the fajr prayer, now, by simply sitting and waiting for a little bit of time, they can leverage that momentum to attain the reward of a hajj and an umrah. How do they attain the reward of a hajj and an umrah? We know the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the individual who prays the fajr prayer in congregation and then remains in the remembrance of Allah until the sun sufficiently rises and then afterwards prays two rakah, they will receive the reward of a hajj and an umrah. And in this narration, the Prophet ﷺ continues and says, Tamma, Tamma. Tamma. Tamma means complete. So the Prophet is telling us 
that if you perpetuate the momentum of Fajr prayer by maintaining yourself in the masjid, in the remembrance of Allah, by, by maintaining ourselves in the masjid, in the remembrance of Allah, what are we really doing? We're maintaining the momentum. We don't have to do anything extra. We're not being told to, to, to do too much extra. We're just in the remembrance of Allah. But what happens is that momentum can be leveraged by simply sitting, waiting, a little bit of time, the sun sufficiently rises, let's say roughly 13, 15 minutes, Ishraq time has come in, the person stands up, prays to rakah, and the Prophet is saying they get a reward of a hajj and an umrah, complete, complete, complete. Meaning it's a complete reward. So again, what do you have here? You have an example of momentum. A momentum, which is a spiritual momentum, metaphysical momentum, which allows a person to be able to take advantage of an opportunity and to be able to gain great reward simply by doing a relatively easy thing. Now this principle of momentum is really important because one of the beautiful aspects of our deen is that it recognizes spiritual momentum and then embeds for us the proper way by which we can leverage that momentum. And essentially we call that, in another way, in a nutshell, we call that the sunnah. It's from one perspective, of course, the sunnah is much more technical than that. But essentially, what is the sunnah? The sunnah is one way by which we can understand how we can maximize the opportunities that face us in any given day so that we can gain the most from that particular opportunity. And the sunnah is the natural way, the natural living example of the Prophet ﷺ, which explicates for us how we can maximize and how we can minimize certain circumstances. I'll give you two simple examples just to highlight this. Okay, the first is that when a person goes to bed at night, there's a tremendous amount that occurs while they sleep. Now, normally, I recognize that we think of sleep as a dead time. It's, it's a, it's a downtime, it's a dead time, it's sometimes, quote-unquote, a waste of time. However, sleep is not a downtime, dead time, waste of time. Actually, what sleep is, is sleep is a differentiator from yesterday to tomorrow. And one of the great blessings that, ha- that arises in sleep, in sleep is that it resets a person, allowing for that clear distinction to arise between yesterday and tomorrow. For example, just as a highlight of this, I mean, uh, the Quran mentions, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ مَنَامُكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ And from his signs, مَنَامُكُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ Is your sleep in the night and in the day. Now, this sleep that we engage in at night, what's actually happening? So, I have the chaos of today. For example, it's 8 o'clock. Let's say roughly by 10.30, 11, we'll be asleep. We have the chaos of today. We go to bed, and essentially our minds do two things. There's two things that happen in sleep. Number one, all of the chaos is organized. 
It's almost like you think of a jungle, like a wild garden, and a landscaper comes in and clips here and clips here and clips here and cuts here and trims here. So it's exactly what happens in the mind. There's all this chaos. It's almost like a wild garden. And sleep is a landscaper. It comes in, it clips here, it clips here, gets rid of this, gets rid of that, gets rid of this, gets rid of that. You don't need this. You shouldn't have looked at that. This was a waste of time. That was a waste of time. This was worthless. It clips all that. And the second thing it does is it nourishes the roots of the things that are good and necessary. So it establishes the things that should be there, just like a good gardener will ensure that the shrubs that are supposed to be there remain healthy and will take out all the weeds. So essentially, you can think of sleep as doing two things. It's weeding and trimming, and it's strengthening and maintaining. Now what happens is, after a person sleeps, they wake up in the morning. And when they wake up in the morning, you're talking about seven hours or six hours or eight hours, however long a person sleeps. Let's, let's take an average of seven. Seven hours of effort and momentum that was generated in order to separate yesterday from today. Now, if I take that momentum, if I take that state and recognize that there's a momentum there, because what am I trying to do? I'm trying to carry six hours of momentum, correct? Six hours of purification that was occurring in my mind without me having to do anything by merely sleeping. If I carry that momentum, then that is a time of great blessing because it is a time when a person's mind is clear and when they're able to focus. So for example, let me just say it this way, that when a person wakes up in the morning, they're most fresh, they're most focused, they're most energetic, and they're least distracted. Can we all agree? I mean, when you wake up in the morning, these are all the feelings that a person has. Now, if I leverage that momentum and take advantage of it, it makes me highly productive. It will make me highly productive. But if the moment I wake up, I destroy that momentum, and again, put chaos back into my brain, then I destroy that five, six, seven hours of effort that occurred. Fine, it's physiologic effort, but it occurred. And I break the momentum, and it's to my own detriment. This is a simple example. Everybody knows this, but it's worth repeating. The most productive time of the day is the morning. The most productive time of the day is the morning. Why is it the most productive time of the day? Because it's the time you wake up. All the energy momentum that was generated through sleep, a person has the ability to maintain it for one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, and if they can maintain it for that much time, they're going to be highly productive. That's the time that people are most productive. Now, when I wake up in the morning, if I recognize that I have that momentum and I box myself out from the world, then I'm going to be highly productive. But if I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I grab my phone, now two problems. Number one, the phone is the bastion of chaos. So all the chaos that I spent the whole night deleting, within five seconds, it shows up back on my phone. Because I'm just scrolling through everything that happened all night. And all of the memories that were in me from yesterday get just regenerated all of a sudden today. So the biggest mistake that a person can do, problem number one with the phone, the biggest mistake that the person can do is pick up the phone immediately or go into email immediately or go into social media immediately because all the momentum that was generated is going to be wasted on garbage. Because all that stuff on the phone is essentially garbage. It's not relevant to what I'm trying to achieve in life. 
Now, if the most important thing in your life is to post on social media, then fine, I grant you that. You should go on social media and you should get involved. But I don't think any of us in this room are influencers. It may not be the most important thing in our lives. So I would argue with you and say, well, what's the one most important thing in life for you? It could be anything. You could tell me the most important thing for me right now is to do well in biology. Or you could tell me the most important thing for me is to get good grades uh, in my AP classes in high school. Or the most important thing for me is I'm trying to learn Arabic, and so I want to make sure that I can grasp it. Or you can tell me the most important thing for me is I want to actually spend a little time memorizing Quran. And the response back would be, pick one thing that's the most important to you. And the first thing in the morning, after prayer, because prayer maintains the momentum of sleep. So after Fajr prayer, after the basic dhikr, pick one thing that's important to you in your day and do that first before doing anything else. Before getting on the phone, before getting on email, before getting distracted by all of the chaos in the outside world. Just pick one thing. Now, I can tell you something. If you tell me that the most important thing in my life is memorizing Quran, I will guarantee you that 20 minutes at that time is better than an hour in the evening. Why is 20 minutes at that time better than an hour in the evening? Because there's all this momentum in the morning, which was generated by sleep, which generates focus, which generates attentiveness, which generates energy. And you don't have that in the evening. By, the, by evening, people are zombies. Now, you can give an hour in the evening, but it's going to be very hard to, uh, to catch your grip. Whereas if you gave 20 minutes in the morning, it would be worth more than the hour in the evening. Why? Because you leveraged momentum. So one very important piece of advice, to recognize the blessing of sleep, as the Quran mentions, and from his signs, from amongst his signs, from, from the, amongst the ayat of Allah, is your sleep at night. Meaning the momentum being generated by sleep, one of the blessings of that is that it creates this freshness, alertness, focus, energy, we should not waste it on something that's absolutely irrelevant. So this is one reason to not go on the phone. The second reason to go on, not go on the phone is because every neurobiologist will tell you that the phone essentially is a drug. I know nobody wants to hear that, but the phone is basically a drug. Okay? Every time a person goes on the phone, there's a dopamine hit that comes in the brain. It's basically a drug. We're, we're little animals. If you, if, if, if you give a monkey a phone, it will do the same thing that we do. Because it's just a wiring, it's a biology, it's like a drug. So now let me ask you something. If somebody came to you and said, I'm addicted to cocaine, right? And, and they said, I take it first thing in the morning, I'd say, what are you doing? Like the first thing you wake up, you're taking cocaine, of course you're never going to break your addiction. At least stay away from it in the morning. That's the time you're most fresh, you're most energetic, your guard is most up, you're most focused. If the first thing you do in the morning is cocaine, we got, that's a big problem, Right? So, I mean, if this is the addiction that all of us have, and everybody, everybody has it, you know, the average person presses their phone 2,500 times a day. Or maybe if you see 2,500 times in three or four hours, I can't remember the stat. But it's a lot. It's much more than the liquor we do on our fingers. So I, we're all addicted to these things. Now, you can admit it or you don't want to admit it, but look, look in the mirror and ask the simple question. We're not here to judge anyone else. We can ask ourselves. We're all addicted to these things. Why would it be that the first thing in the morning, when we spent six hours addiction-free, why would it be that the first thing in the morning we're jumping on the device only to rekindle our addiction? 
Now, what's going to happen? If I didn't take that two, three, four hours in the morning when I'm most fresh and use it for something beneficial, all that happens is the little bit of time that was actually mine, which wasn't going to be sucked away by this device, all of a sudden I brought this back into my life immediately. So we should be extremely particular, extremely particular about how we, how we use the mornings. Now, let's take, it the, opposite, let's take the opposite example. What about at night? What, are the, what, are the, what, are, what, what about at night, and how, do, how can we think of momentum in that way? Well, I'll just tell you that if the morning is the time of day when you're most focused, most energetic, and your willpower is the highest, by the way, the studies show that the willpower is the highest in the morning, then I'll tell you that the complete opposite exists at night. Now, let me just give you, let me ask you a simple question. If we have, let's just say I'm engaged in a sin. Just, you can ask yourself this personal question. We're not here to judge anyone. Just ask yourself a personal question. People who are engaged in a sin, interestingly, they don't tend to sin in the morning. They tend to sin at night. By the way, I mean, just take a statistic. Most sin is occurring at night. People are not clubbing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just as an example, right? People are not, like, uh, you know, going out and partying at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They go out and party at 2 in the morning. Why? There's lots of reasons, but one reason is because it's at, at, at 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, you just woke up from sleep, right? You woke up from sleep, you have willpower. Willpower is highest in the morning, but what happens is as the day progresses, willpower decreases until you get to the night where now you're dragging for 7, 8, 9, 10 hours, and you lose that willpower slowly after, after time, and Shaitan recognizes that, and leverages that to whisper at that particular time to do things that we would never do at another time during the day. So what you're going to find is that when, it, when people have been up for some time, the willpower the, has decreased, and so Shaitan can easily whisper and take them to places where they shouldn't be. So w- what does that mean? It means that we have to recognize the lack of momentum at that time, the lack of spiritual momentum at that time. So what is, why, is that, why is that important? Because it reminds us of the importance of going to bed after Isha. Now, by the way, all this is really just the sunnah. I'm just packaging it in a way that you can understand it. But essentially, the Prophet and the Salaf Salihin, they used to wake up at Fajr and they would stay up after Fajr. Like, all, this, all the work of sleep is done by Fajr. Like, we don't need to jump back into bed, right? Once a person wakes up for Fajr, that's the time to stay up and take advantage of all the momentum, take advantage of all the energy, take advantage of the high willpower that's going to protect me from doing the things that I shouldn't be doing and leverage it to achieve as much as possible. So the Prophet would, would be up at the time of Fajr and would stay up at the time of Fajr all the way until midday. And similarly, right? that's the time of Barakah. In fact, the Prophet made a dua uh, that, um, oh Allah, bless my ummah fi bukuriha, in its mornings. Oh Allah, bless my ummah in its mornings. Again, highlighting the benefit of the morning. Similarly, when the Prophet ﷺ used to send an expedition, he would send it in the mornings. Similarly, there was a, the one who narrates this uh, hadith mentions that he himself would send his um, tr- caravans, he would send his caravans in the morning and it resulted in great success and great profit for him. So 
Just a general principle, there's barakah in the mornings. We should leverage the barakah of the mornings. We should take advantage of the barakah of the mornings. There's, there's a degree of willpower that exists. There's energy and focus that exists. And so we should leverage that to, to pick something that we want to do and to achieve our goals. And at the same time, Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates, she reports, uh, that the Prophet used to s- sleep after Isha. So here the Prophet is doing what? He's praying, and then he's going to bed. Because that's not the time of momentum. That's not the time to be doing other things. That's the time to get in bed, to reset oneself for the middle of the night or the time of Fajr, whichever time you, you choose to wake up at. So these two principles essentially are principles related to the momentum of sleep. So let's just repeat them very briefly. Principle number one, which is sleep generates tremendous momentum even though you think nothing's happening. And what does it do? It, it, it strengthens an individual, energizes an individual, focuses an individual, lets an individual reestablish their willpower, essentially gives them a new lease on life. So why would it be that the first thing that we do would be something that would destroy that momentum. Instead, we should make a rule for ourselves. And the rule is that the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, now this puts aside Fajr, etc. The first thing that I'm going to do when I wake up in the morning is I'm going to pick the most important thing and I'm going to do that for the first hour, hour and a half, two hours of my day. By the way, you can attend a very expensive uh, productivity seminars, and they'll just tell you this same message, except they'll charge you $1,000 or more. I don't know what they charge. They just t- tell you this exact same thing. I know, I, I, I sit there. It, 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 there's nothing different. They basically tell you this. They tell you that they have this rule called 90-91 rule. 90-91 rule basically says what? It says that for the first 90 minutes of the morning, you should do the one most important thing, and you should consistently do it for 90 days. Rule that they charge you lots of money to to hear. So what is essentially, what are they saying? They're saying that for the first 90 minutes of the morning, you're the most fresh, you're the most focused, you're the most energetic, you have the highest degree of willpower. So you should choose the one most important thing to you, and you should do it consistently for 90 days to generate momentum in the thing that you're doing and to be able to reassess every 90 days what's important to me. Because human beings, they also have the ability to only do one thing for so long. So for example, if I'm writing a book, then maybe that's going to be the first thing that I'm going to do in the morning for the next 90 days. So essentially, quarterly, you reassess. If I'm trying to memorize Qur'an, then maybe that's going to be the first thing I'm going to do for the next 90 days, and then reassess at the end of 90 days. What, what's the next most important thing? I'm trying to uh, write a PhD dissertation, right? Maybe that's what I should be doing for the first 90, day, first 90 seconds, first, sorry, first 90 minutes after I wake up. So... This is just a simple rule of productivity, but essentially it's predicated on what? It's predicated on the sunnah, which the sunnah is basically teaching us what? That uh, sleep is a وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ subata. Sleep is a reset. And we should leverage that reset. And we shouldn't burn that reset in five seconds. Like all this energy, this chemical, crazy physiology that's not crazy, but this magnificent symphony of physiology that occurs to reset, a, reset us and give us a new day, it would be the worst thing to wake up in the morning and start doing the same thing that we did yesterday. Unless yesterday was actually worth 
worthy of you know, being presented to Allah. Sleep is, sleep is like a sister of death. I mean, honestly, if, if a person died and then was given a chance to live again, you would hope that they would wake up and live a, norm, a better life than they, than they lived uh, when they, you know, before they passed away. So in the same way, when we go through this sister of death, when we wake up in the morning, we should think, I got a new lease on life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala extracted my soul, returned my soul to me. It's a new lease on life. I'm energetic. I'm fresh. Yesterday was deleted. Today, today is a new opportunity. And so I should think about the things that I want to achieve. So the warning, the, the morning, sorry, not the warning, the morning is never to be wasted. It's a great blessing from Allah. The Prophet ﷺ made dua to, to this ummah be blessed in the morning. We should be people who wake up at Fajr and we should take advantage of the momentum to be productive in the things that matter to us in this life and in the next. Now, in order to maintain that, however, you have to follow the second piece of advice, which is that nothing good happens after Aisha. I'm just going to tell you this straight up. I can say this confidently because it's not me. It's the hadith. It's the sunnah of the prophets I send them. There's nothing good happening after Aisha. Now, it's amazing. All of a sudden, zombies get all this energy after Aisha to talk. I'm not talking about the real zombies. I'm talking about just human beings. We're all zombies. Everybody's walking around. Nobody's alive. And all of a sudden, after Aisha, everybody's popping up and wants to chat and talk all night. This is not a good thing. This staying up late into the night and doing all these activities till one, two, three in the morning, this is not a good thing. Maybe on rare occasion your long lost friend comes after 40 years. Okay, you can have a little extra conversation. But this was not the sunnah of the Prophet. If there was khair after Isha in anything other than sleep, the Prophet would have guided us to it. This is the time when our willpower is low, when we can infinitely, you know, real what do you call it, binge and all this, binge watch, and it just, all this time gets wasted. Then what happens, the problem, the worst thing, number one, we do a bunch of things that we shouldn't be doing, or we're talking about a bunch of things we shouldn't be talking about, or we're with a bunch of people that we shouldn't be with. But the bigger, the second problem, fine, that's a problem with today, but the second problem is that it carries into tomorrow. Because if I go to sleep at one in the morning, I'm not going to wake up till one, one o'clock the next day. Now, my whole physiology is off, all the barakah's gone, I can't get back on a normal rhythm. Everything turns upside down. So very, very important for the believer who's striving, who wants to achieve success in this world and the next, to think about the sunnah and to leverage the momentum of the sunnah. Essentially, what is the sunnah doing? The sunnah is a spotlight which reminds us of the positive opportunities that exist throughout the day. So when the Prophet sleeps after Isha and Aisha radiallahu anha is narrating to us that she says the Prophet regularly slept after the Isha prayer, it means that we should pray the Isha prayer, we should begin to wind down. Certainly it's not a time to be chatting with the world, maybe it's a time to be chatting with family, right? Okay, you begin to tuck away everybody, you begin to put every, get everything set, maybe it takes an hour, maybe it takes an hour and a half, but we're not up till two in the morning. That's not a good habit. And similarly, by just backing our sleep a little, a little bit into its normal place within the 24-hour cycle, then the next thing is that we'll start to wake up on time. And when we wake up in the morning, I can tell you that all the people who were doing all the things that shouldn't have been happening at night, they're not awake in the morning. And that's exactly the time we want to be awake. I don't want like to, all the people making a mess out of everything distracting me at that time that's most important for me, which is the morning. So these two basic principles just tie back into this concept of momentum, which honestly we could have a whole one-day seminar on. 
But essentially, we should just understand the, the momentum just inherently that's generated by this blessing of sleep. Again, sleep is a reset. There's a tremendous amount of physiology that occurs in sleep, which allows us to be able to reset ourselves. We should not waste it. We should leverage it to do the best things that are important to us at the earliest part of the day. And we should be careful to recognize that as the day progresses, when our energy is less, our focus is less, our willpower is less, we should either put the things that are least important. Honestly, the best time to answer email is that time. If you have to go on social media, the best time to go on social media is that time because your mind is already fried. Now I can waste it on something. But we should, we should get to the masjid, pray the Isha prayer, and then we should get to bed after the Isha prayer because we're resetting for the next day. Maybe I'll add one more point very briefly, and that is that this entire process, you know, the, the productivity of one day uh, can be doubled within itself. The entire process, the productivity of one day, can be doubled within itself. How so? By simply following one more sunnah. And that sunnah is to take a nap in the afternoon. Now, how does that double everything? Because you slept, you woke up, you're hyper-productive, hyper-focused, high willpower, you work, 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 tire yourself out by noon because you woke, woke up early enough. Let's say you woke up roughly at five. By Dhuhr time, you pray Dhuhr, now you're ready to like reset. Okay, So you take a little nap at that time, even 15, 20 minutes. The, there's the power of sleep at that time. It's inherently biologic, so long as you're on normal circadian rhythm. is inherently biologic. What does it do? It resets you. Now you get two days in one because you wake up at 1.30, 2 o'clock, 2.15, 3 o'clock, whatever it might be, wherever you take your nap, and all of a sudden you're fresh again. You're energetic, you're fresh, you're focused, your willpower is back up, focus is back up, energy is back up. You take advantage of day two within one day, or let's call it day 1B, 1A and 1B, and then now you drive yourself, you're able to produce until eventually the night hits, you pray Isha, and you begin to wind down to get ready for the next day. So this simple, simple one addition of a, of a nap during the day allows one day to become two. And it just brings that much more barakah into, uh, into our day. In fact, you can simply look at the history of our great pious predecessors and how they were able to produce what they produced. It was because they followed the sunnah of the Prophet The great, great secret of the productive people, uh, historically, particularly in the ummah, how much they wrote, how much they read, how much they studied, how much they produced was really predicated upon following the sunnah. They worked early, they went to, they took a nap, they worked again, they went to bed early, and they were just on this cycle. Doesn't mean they were machines, they were human beings, there would be disturbances, things, family, other responsibilities, but roughly speaking, they were on this cycle. So, alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us uh, this great gift of time. Really, It's really the currency that everybody's given. Everybody's different in their abilities. Everybody's different in their wealth. Everybody's different in their strength. But everybody's been given time. And we take this time, and we, it's a currency that we use to buy Jannah. We do as much good as we can with this little time that we've been given, and we use this time to prove that we, the, the, the claim that we make, that la ilaha illallah, is really in our hearts. So we should leverage time to the best of our ability in order to achieve our goals. 
And it begins with these very basic, simple principles, which, by the way, are just concordant with the natural biology of a human being. That's why, that's why I'm telling you simple biologists, simple productivity specialists, they tell you the exact same thing. They all say the same thing. They say, wake up early, take a nap in the middle of the day for 20 minutes, go to bed early. And in fact, if you look at any CEO of any major huge company, all these people, they all live this, the same life. Because this is just the natural way that we've been designed. And the sunnah just beautifully highlights and explicates that, particularly when the one, we're trying to seek the pleasure of Allah in our day. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are able to take advantage of the opportunities that he's provided us. May he make us amongst those who are able to maintain the great momentum of sleep. And may he make us amongst those who are able to take advantage of the barakah that arises uh, from the blessing of sleep. Wa akhirat a'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.